0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to our journey to the book of Joshua. This is Dakota Logan. I serve as our college pastor, and today we're going to be going through all of Joshua chapter 9. Okay, So there's almost 30 verses in this chapter, so I'm going to have to summarize some of it. Um, but what, what's going to happen in this, in this chapter is, is all of Israel's enemies are starting to team up against them. To try, to try to fight and to have victory over Israel. But then chapter 9 focuses in on this one group of people called the Gibeonites who choose not to fight. They hear about the power of this God of Israel, and they think to themselves, man, there's no way we're going to be able to overpower this God. But let's see if we can outsmart the leaders. And so it's a very interesting story. So I'm going to read through some of it. I'm going to start in verse 3. It says, But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and to Ai, they, on their part, acted with cunning and went and made ready provisions and took worn-out sacks for their donkeys and wineskins that were worn out and torn and mended with worn-out sandals on their feet and worn-out clothes. And all their provisions were dry and crumbly. And they went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, We've come from a distant country. So now make a covenant with us. So they were basically saying, hey, we're like, can't you see we're all raggedy? We came from this faraway land. Will y'all please help us? So they're trying to cut a deal. And verse seven says, but the men of Israel said to the Hivites, well, perhaps you live among us. Then how, how could we make a covenant with you? They said to Joshua, we are your servants. And Joshua said to them, who are you and where do you come from? And they said to him, we come from a very distant country from from a very distant country, your servants have come. But because the name of the Lord, your God, for we have heard a report of him and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites. So what's happening here is that Joshua and the leaders, they're getting played. Like these people they are like, hey, listen, there's no way we're going to be able to beat these people in battle. Like, let's see if we can't fool them. And so they like, they get their raggedy clothes and raggedy sandals and, And they, you know, get some like breadcrumbs together and they walk up like, this is all we have left. We've come from this very far land and we need help. Will you, will you cut a deal with us? Will you make a covenant? We'll be your servants if you'll just help us. And it's so interesting because the Gibeonites, they were just right from right down the road. They just didn't know it yet. And so I'm going to pick back up in verse, in verse 14. And it says, so the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but did not ask counsel from the Lord. That, this is where it starts to go downhill, right? So they take the bait, they make the deal. It says, but they did not ask counsel from the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to live with them. And the leaders of the congregation swore to them. At the end of three days, after they had made a covenant with them, they heard that they were their neighbors. So here it is, like it just takes a few days and they're already, they're already starting to hear and figure out what had happened. That they, had lived, that they, that they lived among them. verse 17. The people of Israel set out and reached their cities on the third day. Now, their cities were Gibeon and three other cities, verse 18. But the people of Israel did not attack them because leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. Then all the congregation murmured against the leaders. So to summarize kind of what's happening here, the Gibeonites say, hey, if we can't beat them, then maybe we can trick them. And it worked. It worked. So for Joshua and, and the other leaders, this was a big mistake because they made a decision that had big implications without seeking God. And they, they lost leadership credibility because it says on down um, in verse, uh, oh yeah, at the end of verse 18, it says that all the congregation murmured against the leaders. So they made this huge decision without seeking the Lord. And this is where the application is for us today. Because when, when we're faced with big decisions, like, God expects his people to come to him. And we should want to. We should want to come to him. You know, one of the things, like, I talk all the time with college students is like, Dakota, we're seeking, you know, God's will for our life in this area or that area. And and I'm finding out that that really doesn't change as we get older. It just looks a little bit different, you know. And so I think we're always in some areas seeking God's will or seeking direction or, you know, we're, we're always faced with, with big decisions in some area of our life, it feels like almost at every turn, right? And what happens is when we don't seek the Lord, that's when we start to get in trouble and we're in dangerous territory. And James James chapter one, verse five says, hey, listen, if any of you lacks wisdom, then you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. So the application for us today is like, hey, when, when we come up against against a decision not, I mean, not just big decisions. Really, it should be any decision, but especially ones that have big, big implications. We should be seeking the Lord. Um, now, I want to say this: just because you pray about something, you know, that doesn't mean there's going to be writing in the sky. You know, it doesn't mean that just because we're like, okay, God, uh, you know, I'm thinking about this with with my job, thinking about this with my within my marriage or my family or within um, you know my relationship with my parents or whatever it is. Just because you you pray about something, that doesn't mean that immediately you know, there's going to be just crystal clarity. Sometimes maybe that happens, and that's great. But if you're seeking God and you're running it by other godly people, then the best decision will usually rise to the top. And, I mean, I, I would kind of give 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 people a grid. When it comes to making decisions, sometimes just, number one, here's the grid. Number one, what's the right thing? Sometimes, like, when you, when you come up to a decision, like, you know, it may not be the most convenient thing or the easiest thing, the most comfortable thing, but there's obviously a right and a wrong decision. Then then the answer is do do the right thing, even if it's not convenient. But you know, even past that if it's not super clear, you know, Jesus said that the greatest commandment was to love the Lord our God and to love others. Right? So so love God and love others. So if we if we take that command, if that's the if that's the biggest command for us as followers of Jesus to love God and love others, then then we can make decisions through that grid. So we should ask ourselves, hey, what's the decision out of whatever options there are, what's the decision that's going to say about me, man, this person loves God. This person loves others and is selfless. And that is probably the direction that you should go. So again, to, to, to sum this up, it's such an interesting story. Um, you know, Pastor Brady talks about, you know, getting out in front of God. That's exactly what happened here with Joshua and leaders. They, they, things were going well. They took it into their own hands. They made a big mistake and now there's huge implications for it. Um, And so I think this was a, this was a lesson for Joshua and leaders for a long time because at the very, the very last verse of the chapter, it says in verse 27, but Joshua made them that day cutters of wood and jars of water, for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord to this day in the place that he should choose. So these people were servants for the people of Israel, but whenever this was being written, it said, hey, listen, and they're still with us today. So this was a constant reminder of, of a decision that had gone wrong. And so this had to have been a decision for Joshua and the leaders that, man, hey, from now on, we need to take the Lord. Um, So hopefully that was encouraging to you and helpful. We, um, We love you guys. Hope you have a great day and tune in again tomorrow as we continue our series through the book of Joshua.